Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. After some time away, Graham McMillan and I are back with a hefty two-and-a-half-hour episode. Join us as we talk about Mike Diodato and Namer, Batman Earth One and The Batman, the ongoing soap opera of Jeff Johns in DC, Amazing Fantasy 1000, the latest Zeb Wells John Romita Jr. arc of Amazing Spider-Man, streaming services, and a substantial discussion of The Human Target by Tom King and the astounding Greg Smallwood that also touches on other books by King, such as Rorschach and Strange Adventures, as well as the nature of criticism and or objective truth and how your two hosts read and interpret their reading of superhero comics. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Graham McMillan! Jeff Esther. Hey! Um, why not? This is the second time we're trying to do this, because the first time we didn't record, because uh, technology shit. Jeff's I think shit. I Jeff's no, shit. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. I'm not blaming this on you. This is 100% technology. Like, this is 100% technology. Technology is shit. Uh, what knows what you've missed? You missed me telling a story about when I was in art school, and even though I have a fear of heights, I climbed up on top of buildings to video people singing Beatles songs. Uh, and what else did we talk about? Uh, I mean, that itself was pretty glorious. I think I, I said that I kind you could of do a karaoke episode, yeah, and no, you're that, like, that, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, I kind of love that, that story now like, only lives in that synopsis. Yes, I know. I know. That's kind of amazing. It somehow seems like I'm like, oh, I get it. It's it's not quite cursed, but it's like this is how it has to live. Yeah, it's, is... it's weirdly apocryphal. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. I, I love that story became weirdly apocryphal. Yeah. I um, so and I don't know. What we're, well, like, you know, we're I have to say, Graham, one of the things yeah. that I thought was interesting was uh, that I made a joke about Mike Diodato's buttocks, and I thought that that would actually be the segue to talking about, because God help us, there is a comics news story concerning Mike Diodato's buttocks. And okay, I'm not like you're gonna have to unpack this one for me because I saw it and I still don't quite get it. So this is my understanding, and you can actually unpack it more. Okay. Mike Diodato, the comic book artist. That's right. Uh the man behind such comics as Luke, I've traced this and Tommy Lee Jones is playing Norman Osborne and <laughs> Luke, I've traced this and Tommy Lee Jones is playing someone else. <laughs> Uh, you know, formerly of Marvel, now of Artists, Writers, and Artisans, mm-hmm. um, appeared to see the trailer for Black Panther, mm-hmm. Wakanda Forever, get very upset by an image of the actor playing Namor's back, mm-hmm. and then take a photograph of his own back to be like, my back is more muscular. Yeah. Is that actually what happened? My understanding is that is exactly what happened. Now, Mike Diodato, what actually then, like, he took a picture of himself nude uh, and lit up and was basically essentially like, look, you know, the actor, the actor playing a character can't, has got to at least be as muscular as the character, as the, as the comic book artist drawing the character. And, um... A lot of people were just like, you're kind of high on crack, dude. And it's kind of interesting because on the one hand, Mike Diodato, uh, you know, he 
he looks he looks he's certainly more fit than I am. Although, as some people pointed out, like once you take adjust some lighting effects and things, maybe possibly not. But more to the point, there was such a huge step of why and what the hell are you thinking? The interesting thing is, I saw somebody who pointed out a Mike Diodato drawn comic where he had drawn Namer and Namer looked pretty off brand. And in fact, people were like, but if you look at this photo of Mike Diodato, and so I think people, I think perhaps rightly came to the conclusion that Mike Diodato is a little overly Namer identified and apparently just really took umbrage at again either the casting or again the idea that this guy in any way seemed you know um thick i guess as the kids would say and the thing that is interesting like i have to say that although i was uh well i i, I in my typical inattentive way unfortunately i was like well you know i do have to say one thing that was such a groundwork of the first two or three phases of the marvel cinematic universe were kind of like making the guys super buff you know what i mean like it was super important that like Chris Pratt and Paul Rudd and Chris Hemsworth and Chris if you were named Chris you had to show your six pack and yeah 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 and, and this I like they, how you say that as if like that stopped but has it kept going I don't again there's that yeah, thing I, of like yeah of course Kamel Nanjiani has always been like incredibly ripped in all of his other roles he, he, he didn't do any preparation for Eternals at all no, but I mean, like, apart from him, you know what I mean? Like, and and maybe you're oh. right. Maybe I'm just prevaricating. But I don't. I don't remember. Maybe Simu Liu was. Did he? Did he do it? Maybe they did. Maybe they're all still doing it. You know, yeah, maybe I'm blocking all, it with TV. All still, still doing the weird thing. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the fact that the guy playing Namer didn't have to show up with like rippling abs or show his rippling abs. I mean, he. he you know, he's kind of shot in a very if you know you know kind of way for the black panther trailer that well I yeah cause it's like there's there's no like big name reveal in that and also mm -hmm. as someone pointed out they're like this could literally be fucking some like cgi mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like yeah. this might not actually be the actor either because all right. he sees the back you literally see a character coming out the back mm -hmm. coming out mm -hmm. coming out of the water from the back rather mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so like it might not even be him right Right. So, so, I mean, I don't know. There's just, there, it, it was just really weird and funny and kind of off. I think, I think the, the thing that really struck me about it was, um, hmm, I, I think Graham, that, that the generation gap in comics, which is sort of like, kind of like, a the generation gap in a lot of pop culture uh, is becoming more pronounced. And I think it's some, I think that is some weird variation on it. You know, Mike Diodato being like, Hey, listen, you gotta, you, this is, you know, again, just that weird, like, Oh, that guy's not buff enough to play this character. And of course there's that thing of like, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of us really care about whether the person can act, you know, but 
I mean, that was always my thing of whenever you opened up Wizard Magazine in the 90s and they'd always cast these guys who were like, you know, Brad Pitt should play Captain America. Who else can be the, you know, the spirit of liberty than Yeah, Mr. who else Ab- is handsome enough? And it, Mr. Monster. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, and it was always just like, there was always some wrestler. There was like somebody who had like done a dog food commercial. You know, it was just all picked purely off of some weird combination of looks and with so much of Wizard Magazine, how much the writers could continue to prank um, their audience without the audience really knowing. Uh, and and I just, I don't know. I just, there's part of me where that feels like that to me, you know? Um, but again, I'm kind of weirdly salty, Graham, in some ways, because, uh, as we'll get to, I read Batman, the Earth One collection, uh, <laughs> off of Hoopla, and I'm still... Oh my god, you said this, like, before, yeah. and I still, like, I still genuinely can't believe that you spent time on that. I, I know. Because it feels very much like something I would do. Y- you know, it kind of... And kinda it feels like is. something you, it feels like something you're too smart to do. Which well, is, you knew going in that it was going to be bad, right? You know, so, yes, of course. Because the weird thing is, and I don't quite remember how, because I'm pretty sure I did not pay for it. But I know that I read the first volume of Batman Earth 1. You almost certainly read it on Hoopla. Did I? I guess I probably did. I probably did, yeah. Probably came out on Hoopla and I read it. And I was, and it's been a couple of years, and I kind of had that thing of, there There was a couple of things going on. One thing was, I remember, like, and, and in my brain, I was like, I think I have read Batman Earth 1, volumes 1 and 2. And I was like, I literally only remember, like, one page of it. And I was like, wow, that doesn't seem, like, those are, those are high count books. Also... Um, there were a certain number of rumors that, um, back when, you know, cause there's a certain amount of Twitter, whether it's thanks to Zack Snyder's Twitter bots or not, that, that seems to be, uh, locked in a, a perpetual rage of Jeff John's shit talking mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. And at one point someone was like, yeah, you know, part of the reason why Ben Affleck dropped doing the Batman was he didn't want to do, you know, basically use Jeff Johns' shitty ideas for a Batman movie. And I did have that moment of like, oh, you know, I wonder how much of the... Because I was thinking like, oh, right, like the Batman of Earth 1 book by Jeff Johns is is... On you know, on paper described, not necessarily dissimilar from the Batman, the movie that was delivered to us by by Matt Reeves relatively recently, which I saw and enjoyed, and I kind of had that moment of like, I wonder if there's anything from Johns's Earth One that made it into the Batman, and also, can I remember anything of what happened in that fucking book? Maybe I should reread it and see if it is terrible or not. I've got to tell you, I know I've read volumes one and two. I don't think I've read volume three. And I can't remember anything. Right? Right. Literally exactly. anything. Right? So I kind of had that thing of like, right, I should I should look into this. And the, the sad fact, I mean, it was the end of the month uh, just a few days ago, which means that 
I had, I don't think I'd really checked out anything uh, on Hoopla. So I had like 14, 15 checkouts that I could burn, you know, because it was just all going to roll over on September 1st. So, and they had put up the complete collection of all three parts of Jeff Johnson, Gary Frank's Batman Earth One. And I'm like, fuck, I should check that out. Now, the thing that sucks is, and this is this is where the part where I sort of start getting um, much more sheepish slash what the hell is wrong with me, is I checked out like 11 other books, Graham, at least one of which you had mentioned on the last podcast and saying that you wanted me to read so that we could discuss it. And so part of me is like, Okay, I mean, so he, so what didn't you read? Is what is my question? What I did, I did not read Clementine, The Walking Dead, Book One by Tilly Walton. You know, which I checked out. I, for that matter, I mean, Supergirl, uh, Woman, Woman of Tomorrow, the collection came out, and that is something that um, uh, you know Martin Gray has wanted us to talk about forever, and and I put off, and I for some reason I thought it was a longer. Uh, miniseries and eight issues for whatever reason. But I also checked out, like, there's a Times Square omnibus by Howard Chaikin where he, like, adds new pages and wraps things up. There's Noctera book two. There's the 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 first 20 issues of Commandy came out, that collection that DC mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. recently redid. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, Superman 78 and Batman 89 and the blouse and um, all these things. And instead I'm like, yep, I'm going to read hands down. What's got to be the shittiest. I'll be honest. I opened Noctera volume two first. And I was like, wait, 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 I want to build up to this. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I can't (laughs) Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels post apocalyptic trucking epic that I, you know, that has, has, barely two neurons firing through it. I was like, mm, it's just, it's one neuron too many. I got to read this Batman Earth One collection. My and favorite part is literally you said that and I realized I was getting mixed up with, um, oh shit, what's the, what is the Jeff Jones one? Oh yeah, the other Jeff Jones one that, that yeah, that is shockingly not unlike uh, Noctera. Uh, ah, the post-apocalyptic Yeah, Nuke yeah, one. I can't remember the name of it. It's not called me. Nuke, is he? What's he called? He's like the dude with the... With the stupid radioactive, like he's got the radioactive cooling yeah, rods. Yeah, the, the comic that I don't think it's up. ever... Geiger. It's called Geiger. Thank you. Yeah, Geiger. The comic that I think has just disappeared now, now that Jeff is back at DC. You know, it, they they have been promising the G.I. Junk uh, special for while. like a while now. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll also, see. like, just very quickly, I want to say I don't think we talked about the fact that Jeff Johns is back at DC doing a Justice Society book and Stargirl book, but that the banner for his books are is the new Golden Age, which honestly, if you were going to do Jeff Johns Mad Libs, yeah, I think that's what everyone would have done. It's the most shockingly like self parodic moment from Jeff Johns in a while, I think. Yeah, the new golden age. Sorry, and you said it as it ran together, but I assume Justice Society and Stargirl, two different yes, titles. Two different titles. Justice right. Society is ongoing with right. amazingly Mikhail Janin as an as an ongoing artist. Ooh. Um, and spins out of Flashpoint Beyond, which at some point I'm going to talk about. Oh, um, good. yeah. 
and uh, Stargirl is, I think, Todd Nauk as the as the artist, mm. and it's a six issue mini. And I think they both start in November. I could be wrong. Wow. Um, anyway, sorry. Can, let's let's get back to Batman Earth One because I can tell you didn't enjoy it. First of all, but secondly, I don't want you to tell me what it's what it is because I genuinely don't remember. Uh, okay. Well, so hmm. Batman Earth One is the much like Superman Earth One, kind of an attempt to reboot the mythos sure sure modernize i, I, it. I remember what earth right. one is mm-hmm. exactly so so the idea being like here's a batman told in a modern contemporary setting and in in many ways it does feel um it it feels it feels very easy to map it to at least the first few years of the ultimates, you know, okay. it's like, well, I mean, and that kind of was what earth one felt like. Remember there's, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at, especially Superman earth one, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, shocking, uh, uh, GMS book. Yeah. Right. Um, which also ran for three volumes, right? Mm-hmm. They all, all, uh, that and wonder woman did as well. Ah, right. Right. And then uh, both Green Lantern and Teen Titans ran for two. Oh, really? I didn't realize Green Lantern got a second one. Yeah, it's I, uh, the Green Lantern one is actually great. Gabriel Hartman and Karina Bechtel did, right. did like two very good volumes of that. Yeah, yeah, that, I should I should check that out. So, so the the gist of it is yes, here here's Jeff Johns and Gary Frank telling Batman, but also telling Batman in sort of a semi. Um, modern way and in a way that perhaps again looking at it through the slightly jaundiced eyes of someone who is who has watched sort of the batman and also some of jeff johns's um moves with warner very much kind of this idea of like oh this this feels like uh someone pitching Here's how I'm going to do a Batman movie. And there a lot of Johns in that first volume sets up a quote unquote more realistic Batman in that Bruce Wayne is a, um, you know, is a, is a millionaire whose parents were killed before his eyes very at a very young age and is now fighting crime as the Batman. But it's not like he traveled the world, had got ninja training, you know, there's very much the strong emphasis on, Oh, Alfred Thomas Wayne's best friend who was basically a top soldier combat mercenary guy, um, ends up showing up just in time for the Waynes to get killed. And, it more or less ends up becoming Bruce Wayne's uh, adopted parent and trains him. And, and, and so the bulk, the bulk of it is very much a quote unquote realistic Batman in that Bruce Wayne has the resources of being rich and he's sort of been trained up by Alfred, but he is far from, he, he's much more human and, so what you get is a, a far more quote unquote realistic depowered version than even than even say the Batman from Miller and Mazzuccelli's Batman Year One. 
in the bulk of the first volume, essentially, you're sort of set up with the status quo. Bruce Wayne as Batman is very obsessed with catching the the person who killed his parents and is basically like, and once that once I catch that person, that's it. Then that's, you know, basically this is a, a one-stop shop for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be fighting crime forever, you know. And, and that's one of sort of many, quote-unquote, reversals of what we get to see. He is trying to hunt down when we open this, the, the book opens, trying and failing to hunt down the cop who was one of the first on the scene of the Wayne murder um, because uh, in, in keeping his various surveillances on everyone and everything, Bruce Wayne has, has noticed a photo of that cop um, lighting a cigarette with a lighter uh, that is the lighter that, that Bruce himself gave, gave to his dad a week before the shooting for those people who might be interested in the Batman tie in angle, I had completely forgotten and chalked it up entirely to the movie. But in fact, it did exist in earlier format in Jeff Jones's Batman earth one that, uh, Thomas Wayne is running for mayor, um, uh, of Gotham and, is on the verge of winning before he's killed. And so there's the aspect of it being a political assassination. And also a thing that I thought was one part clever and, and concise and also maybe a little bit cheesy was the fact that Martha is Martha Arkham. And so, uh, you know, in, in earth one, it's even much cheesier. She's actually mentioned as a crusader for, for mental health and her of family, course of course she is, because the Arkhams have a very troubled mental history, um, as well as essentially being the, the founders of Gotham. So if anything, you know, Bruce Wayne is put even more more at the center of Gotham. And, but it also suggests the idea that the Waynes, that the Wayne Arkham uh, killing of the two of them kind of sends the whole city spiraling into a a certain depression. Now, while that is happening, James Gordon gets his new partner, which is a police officer, Harvey Bullock, who is <gasps> shockingly handsome and fits. And it's crazily corrupt, right? Or am I misremembering? You are misremembering. Oh, he, okay. he actually comes up and this is it. The, the twist is Gordon is not entirely corrupt, but he he is been basically been blackmailed into leaving all the dark forces that more or less run Gotham alone because otherwise his daughter will be killed by them. So he's kept under their thumb and Bullock is like, what are you're on the make? Who are, what are they greasing you with? And he's like, it's not like that. Shut up. So the, again, in that like, kind of like, Oh, you think, you know, the characters Kazow, like James, Gordon looks like, you know, essentially a a broken, corrupt cop. Harvey Bullock, young, handsome Harvey Bullock, who is a Hollywood star who was doing these, like, true crime <gasps> Shit, story I'm, things. I'm remembering this more and more the more you're talking. Exactly. Shows, shows up because his whole thing is, is like, yeah, my ticket from making just the realm from TVs to film is I'm going to crack 
the the Bruce, you know, the Thomas and Martha Wayne killings. And it's like, no one's ever solved that. You've got to get away from that. That's just going to burn you and destroy you and et cetera, et cetera. So the mayor of the city is Oswald Cobblepot, the penguin. He is the dude who ends up winning when Thomas Wayne ends up dying and forfeiting the race, so to speak. Uh, and Cobblepot has it, continued to run. It's easy for the dads to forfeit a race. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of like, ah, we've got a strong showing, but meh. So, Turns um, out your dad. Yeah. Cobblepot, shockingly, is corrupt, and the corruption runs all the way down, and he is sort of the powerhouse that runs the city. But, of course, Graham, the thing that we all really want to talk about in Batman Earth 1 is the birthday boy. Because... Because of course it is. Jeff Johns and Gary Frank create a villain called the Birthday Boy, who is an enormously powered glob of a man who wears a bag over his head and a little birthday hat on top, who grabs people and kills them, but basically first gives them a birthday party, gives them a birthday cake, and tells them to <laughs> I make a wish. This as well, holy yeah. shit! Take make a wish, but you have to keep it secret. And then they're like, ah. He kills off at least three people, including um, the person that Batman is pursuing, the, the, the original crooked cop. Because the other aspect of it is when Bruce goes to the movie theater with his parents, um, the idea is essentially the lights go out, Thomas and Martha leave the theater uh, and then get shot in the alley as they're more or less trying to escape what seems like might be a political hit. So the whole mystery behind Wayne's shooting, is it tied to this crooked cop? Before we can really, before Batman can really find out the answers, the birthday boy kills the corrupt cop, but Batman, who is, again, just kind of a regular Joe, not so much of a detective, is nonetheless able, because of his deep family ties, to be aware that all the red footprints at the site of the crop's killings are, in fact, the rust that runs off the roof of abandoned Arkham Asylum. So, Of course he is. He goes to Arkham Asylum to, to find whoever killed the cop and uncover the mystery, Gordon and Bullock have to go because Barbara Gordon has been kidnapped by the birthday boy to teach Gordon a lesson because Bullock was looking into the files on the Wayne killing and corrupt cops alerted people to it. But of course, Bullock, being a new detective, checked it out in Gordon's name. So Gordon was the one who was flagged. Barbara Gordon was the one who was seized and so is in the process of being sort of semi-killing joke-ized by... The birthday boy when uh gordon bullock and batman all show up uh and 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 then there's a big fight and then later batman goes and um has a confrontation with a couple pot who stabs him with an umbrella and then unmasks him and then in a thing that is, uh, uh, you know, because a lot of the series, also, I'm really minimizing how much of the focus Alfred Combat Butler is. Because Alfred is very much drawn like, you know, your sort of English badass guy. And the whole time, even while he, you know, 
training Bruce, but also is like, you got to stop this. You're not ready. Like, how are you going to be able to even bring people to justice if you won't use guns? And he, and Bruce Wayne's like, no, I'm not going to use a gun. I'm not going to use a gun. Batman doesn't use guns. So of course, in like something that just seems like right out of a cheap screenplay, uh, just as the Penguin's about to kill Bruce Wayne slash Batman, who he has stabbed with his little knife umbrella, um, Alfred shows up with his combat shotgun and kabooms the Penguin to death. So the Penguin is like fucking dead, dude. But from it, <laughs> that's actually okay, I, that's actually I, I, dialogue. Uh, from I, I, ju- I just I just want to like confirm something. You're still on book one of the trilogy, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 because you were like, I don't remember any of this, and I'm like... No, no, no. The thing is, I do remember, and that's why I'm like... Now you do. I like You asked me what happened. Yeah, well, no, no, okay. No, like I said, the more you were telling me, yeah. and honestly, it was uh, Bullock being like a former reality show or a former movie star yes. or something. Yes. Right. I was like, former oh, shit. That, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Like, that's yep. the thing that reminded me. But, um, like, it's stunning to me that this is all... I, I mean, I, I know the comic's like 150 pages and everything, but still, like, yeah. this is a lot of real estate for this comic to be covering. No, exactly. It, and it is, it's very much, by the time you get to the end of, of book one, like, Alfred is helping Batman. Batman is like, basically is like, you know, the person who shot my my parents was not part of this hit. It was just some random guy, and I'm never going to find him, and I'm just going to have to keep looking forever. Gordon has gone from being, like, a cowardly cop to I'm going to be a good cop. Bullock has gone from being, like, handsome young dude who is, like, going to change the world to a guy who's totally broken after seeing what's become of the birthday boys victims in the basement of Arkham and turns to alcoholism and is on the way to becoming the book. Everyone's in the process of becoming yes. who we know. It's, it's, it's the origin of the, the DCU versions of them. Yeah, exactly. Apart from Alfred, who is like just wildly unlike any version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, is and isn't. I mean, he's very, in some ways, he's very, he's much, there are elements in, in this where I was like, oh yeah, they're definitely playing up um, some of the stuff from Gotham, the TV show. Like in Gotham well, TV show. Well, yeah, and also um, the, the the Pennyworth show as well. Right, right, which may or may not have been here. But yeah, very much Alfred Combat Butler and Gordon and Bullock as partners slash best friends, kind of. There's some other groundwork that is laid uh we get to see harvey dent but dent is part of a um i did identical twin set along with jessica dent um which comes to the fore more in volume three i want to say yeah i got this book this volume is 455 pages graham so if you want like a lot of really really problematic storytelling oh i want to say there's there's a scene where like batman of course punches james gordon um that you know again it's kind of that thing of like oh this did like survive 300 drafts and did make it in but like in a very weird backward fashion you know um volume two uh i which i will quickly i have to say volume two and volume three run together for me i believe volume two is 
uh, basically the Riddler and Killer Croc, and then Volume Three is Two Face and Catwoman, of which both of those choices are very bad. I have to say the choice, the 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 costume for Catwoman that they did what lives up in the grand tradition the grand DC tradition of two dudes who are too old to understand the culture that they're trying to sort of cynically cash in on cuz i think catwoman's supposed to be kind of cool crazy raver catwoman but instead just kind of comes off like um former prime minister's wife that's into swinging i think i'm so excited please tell me you have a screenshot please tell me it's going to be in the show notes it it is and it is in fact if you jump over to twitter i posted it earlier being like what in the name of god is this so um basically right now jeff yeah because i holy mother of gods isn't that something that holy mother of gods yeah yeah that's like, I, you know, the joke is, that's a choice, but exactly. it's impossible to look at this and be like, what, how did this get through editorial? In all seriousness. Yeah, no. How the living shit did yeah. that get through editorial? That's, that's terrible. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and that's, seriously, that's terrible. That's right? Who, uh, it yeah. looks like, you know... It looks like someone's drawing of someone trying to cosplay Jim Lee's Huntress outfit. Yes. Using ill-fitting rave clothes. Yep. Yeah. Good but call. But it's not helped by the fact that the drawing of it. Mm-hmm. Like, did Gary Frank forget that people have wrists? Uh, uh, Gary like, F- like, Yeah. Like, Gary Frank's anatomy there is genuinely crazy yeah yeah no um that's i I mean that's terrible that's genuinely just shockingly bad i have to say shit volume three of batman earth one at every level reads like a book that everyone knew they were contractually obligated to do is is it contractual obligation comics don't forget batman earth three was literally the book that they stopped working on halfway through to work on Doomsday Clock, and then went back to finish. Oh, Clock! Wow. Okay, that which, that which I feel may explain a lot based on that drawing. It it does. Oh, I forgot. There's a surprise villain that I don't necessarily want to spoil. But say what you will about the first Batman Earth One, and there's a lot of stuff in it that is just. Um, I think. Uh, points to a lot of Jeff Johns's weaknesses and and the occasional you know sort of elegant solution, but generally a lot of like oh, part of why this is going to like like nothing has any weight to it unless you have the weight of what you expect you know to happen like oh Batman smart no he's kind of a clod oh Jim Gordon is you know here he's corrupt Harvey Bullock is handsome like you know and it just kind of goes Oswald Cobblepot's the mayor and you know fitting as many of those things in as you can 
and then and then still kind of tweak it to get to the point. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then the second issue, which is the Riddler and Killer Croc, also has a certain germ of an idea that I think goes on to become uh, taken in a very different direction and developed in, I think, better ways in the Batman. Because, of course, it's all about the Riddler, and the Riddler is in the process of basically killing off large groups of people anonymously. And Mm -hmm. it points to a larger circle of corruption in Gotham City. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's done in very different ways and for very different reasons. And then Killer Croc is thrown in very gratuitously. Uh, And it just sort of starts feeling more and more like... um, it really does feel like a second-rate sequel to a not-quite-first-rate movie. And then by yeah, yeah, the time yeah. you get to the third, it just... The choices are so bad. And the Catwoman thing, I'm so glad that you also thought it was ghastly. Because I literally let out a... It's shocking. Like, it's uh, actually shocking. I was I was honestly stunned when, when I just saw your screen. Crash. Yeah. And part of me is like, you know what? Nobody read this fucking book. Like, separate and apart from editorial... People didn't even bother to oh, yeah. read yeah, yeah. the no, third no, no, volume, no. right? Because that would have been called that. That it's... definitely would have been called that. That's so bad. I am shocked, except for I, the I, fact that, I, yeah. Sorry. Right. No, I, no, go. Say, so I've been reading Flashpoint Beyond because mm. I am a complist, and so I get them free. Right. Right. Now, yeah. Digitally, I should say. I don't get print versions. Um, and I've said this before in this show, but I've now read five of the six issues of this series. Wow. And I'm not joking when I'm saying I don't know what this comic is about. Really? Yeah. There are three writers. Johns is only one of three writers in this comic. What? Yeah. It's Johns and it's – God, I'm going to have to look now. It's uh, it's the writer of The Flash, the current writer of The Flash. Uh, Flashpoint. Oh, right. Yeah, Flashpoint Beyond is, yeah, Flashpoint Beyond is written by – let's look. Uh – it's written by Jeff Johns, Jeremy Adams, uh, and someone else. And you're not giving me the credit there. I'm going to have to download this book. I think I am. Uh, Tim Sheridan, I think, is the other writer. Mm. Yeah. Jer- Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Tim Sheridan, Jeremy Adams. Its art team is amazing. It's Romanico, uh, who did mm. uh, the first issue of, or the first couple of issues of um, – Infinite Frontier last year, who's like a great, like a genuinely great artist. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense now that we know that Justice Society is coming back. Um, but I'm not joking. I don't know what this comic is about. It is, it's not even following up on a loose plot thread of the Batman arc from Flashpoint. It is creating a new loose plot thread mm-hmm. using those characters that didn't exist before. While simultaneously, like, on, as much as anything else, when you see issue five, you'll see this, spoiling Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Really? Like, explicitly spoiling it. Oh, man. Uh, which is, again, kind of stunning. Like, wow. genuinely kind of stunning to see. Because the, the fifth issue, which comes out, I think, next week, um, starts, takes place after the end of Dark Crisis, and starts with a one-page synopsis of the end of Dark Crisis and Infinite Earths. 
Oh, get out. Are you serious? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, no, really, for real. What <laughs> no, the fuck? I, it's it's kind of like, oh, my God. Well, Jeff wow. Johns and Tim Sheridan and Jeremy Adams, and I'm sure this is John Smart than anyone else, um, is trying to create a whole new cosmology of the DC multiverse. <laughs> not <laughs> which, which is based around something called the Divine Continuum. Because oh. DC, do you get it? Oh. Uh, while also having the Time Hunters have some sort of deal with Batman, like the Batman of the regular DC continuity, mm-hmm. about something that he wants to happen that we don't know about yet. Mm. Right? And it would appear to be something about the Justice League coming back. Except, if you've been reading Dark Crisis, if you've read, like, Scott Snyder's Justice League, the Justice Society are back. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They've been back for a few years. So there's no, like, big reveal that Johns can do. Right. Like, they're back. The, the, like, the big, quote-unquote, moment of, of Dark Crisis issue 3. It's the Justice Society comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So if that's where Johns is going, what the living shit? Right. I, I, I'm, I genuinely am not joking. I don't know what the point of Flashpoint and Beyond is. Hmm. Hmm. I mean... What's great about it is there was kind of that weird period where, you know, pre-Three Jokers, Johns, Johns was very much on the outs on DC, and and it kind of seemed like, oh, okay, show show's over. And, and in particular, it sort of felt that Doomsday Clock was more or less being... Um, like ignored in favor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. real. Because definitely when Doomsday Clock launched, it was like, Doomsday Clock is going to explain, like, everything. It's going to explain rebirth. It's going to bring all this, you know, it's going to redefine continuity moving forward. Right. And then, you know, that just didn't happen. Yeah. You know, it, Scott Snyder get, gets his Justice League book and it does metal and then death metal. And right. that becomes the story. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and also, Doomsday Clock sold really well, but I think it's delays and, and basically everyone was like... Excuse me while I sneeze. Um, everyone was like, yeah, no, this this is not it. This is not what we want. Yeah. Well, um, I think that, yeah, right. I, and then, like, I, again, I don't know what happened. I genuinely don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. But it is, like, impressively, like, simultaneously petty and needless. <laughs> um, and somehow he's getting, like, his own, like, mini imprint. From a publisher that, you know, officially does not do imprints anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I, well, and that's it. I kind of feel like, because there's a little bit of the, you know, it's it's hard not to be like, oh, so he's kind of, you know, there's this weird Cold War going on, Jeff Johns versus, you know, the rest of continuity, where he's like, okay, I'm going to spoil your guys' event because you guys spoiled mine. And now I'm off to, you know, tell my little stories and my little side of the world where I'm going to tell you why the Justice Society came back. And they're like, they already came back. And they're like, not in my corner of the world, they yeah, didn't. they already came back twice. Yeah, right? Twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. It's kind, like genuinely kind of amazing. Wow. Wow. That like, because Scott Snyder brings them back in, in Justice League. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's re- honestly relatively underwhelming. Right, because all of a sudden they're just sort of back, <laughs> right? And everyone's right. like, "How could we have forgotten about you?" And they're like, "I don't know, youngster." 
let's go and kick some bad guys out. And that's basically it. Right? It's so bad. It's um, so bad, man. I and then you, you get, and then you get um, oh. Dark Crisis, where they kind right. of come back and they're like, hey, you youngsters don't know what the fuck you're doing. And they're like, you're right, but you're the old guys and you'll set us right. You know, and, and you know, fine. Right. Um, but I... The idea of like Jeff Jones then going to like bring them back again and be like, "I'll show you guys how to really bring the Justice Society back." It'd be great. Like, do these guys have to come back like every two years now? Is that yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, every yeah. Two years we get a new Justice Society relaunch where they're like, "You guys have forgotten how great old guys are." Old guys like, are. They fought. Yep. They fought in World War Two. Okay, that means, like, real talk. These guys are a hundred years old. Right. You know what would be great, Graham. Like, I just realized this is what we have to pitch. The Justice Society, which is to say superheroes who are in their 50s and 60s, which means to say they were in the 60s and 70s, right? So, like, you kind of have, like, the Justice Society were basically the contemporary heroes of DC back in the 80s. So instead of them fighting, like, World War II Nazis... They're like, you know, just doing useless eighties shit. Like I they think were fighting that's... the hundreds and the combined from Mister Gold. See, there you go. They were just See... fighting all the all the like the actual villains of the nineteen eighties mm-hmm. in DC Comics. Right, but they yeah right, and they were there. But just just that idea of like right, like holy shit. It I mean those got those characters are a hundred years old, and but they're gonna figure out various ways to cheat it. But I'm like. Fuck! Like those people are being drawn younger than me now. You know what I mean? Like, oh no! Just it's that's... it's just amazing. Like it's amazing, and I like the Justice Society a lot. I oh, genuinely yeah. do. Right. But the idea that like they just keep coming back is great. It's great. It kind of re- it kind of makes me think of like DC. DC's kind of. Um... They're kind of in the they're kind of in the bad marriage phase of things. You know what I mean? Like there's that period where like dad leaves mom, you know, and you're like, uh and then he comes back, but he's different and it's not the same, but everyone tells you it's the same, but he's he lives in his own apartment. Like Justice Society's kinda like the dad that left the marriage, but then kind of keeps coming back because they kind of are like, you know, maybe we should give this one more go and then within 2 weeks they're like, what are we talking about? We just don't Or or is that other. or is is that Jeff Jones? Well, or okay, is that Jeff Jones, yeah, maybe. Here is the um the PR for for the first issue of Justice Society. After making their long way to return in the pages of Dark Crisis and Earth issue 3, again, they showed up in Scott Snyder's fucking Justice League run 2 years wow. earlier. Wow. Um, the Justice Society of America, JSA, are back in Justice Society of America, colon, The New Golden Age Part 1. Or are they? A long-lost hero from the JSA crashes into our era with a grave warning, but it's too late. A mysterious and malevolent enemy has invaded the entire history of the JSA, and an all-new team must come together to defeat it. But what deadly secret does this messenger from beyond keep? Where are they from? And why is all of this happening now? Only the Time Masters know. Bum, bum, I, bum. Yeah, I just yeah. I uh, again I love these characters. I do. I love DC history, and there's something about this which is genuinely exhausting to me. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Graham, 
can I tell you something that I didn't know about the Justice Society that I may still not know and may have just been misled by an errant Twitter thread, but I don't sure, think sure. so. I did not realize that when the Justice Society started, it was essentially an uh, an intra-company crossover that DC... Yeah, because it was between like DC and National, right? Right, and National's yeah. characters and were different. And so eventually they all got bought up, but it was like, like kind of part of me is like, wow, you know. They, it, they I, all got bought up is the polite version of saying it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if you know this, for real. Mm-hmm. But what happened is, I think it was DC, or maybe it was National. Uh, no, wait, was... There was, cause, sorry, it was National and All-American, because mm-hmm. they eventually came together to become DC. Right. Um, National, the owners of National mm-hmm. also owned the distributors, mm-hmm. right? And they, they, they were also part owners of All-American. Right. Okay? And they... For all intents and purposes, use the fact that they were in charge of the distributors to bankrupt All American to force out the non-national partner. Yeah. Oof, Jesus. Yeah. No, exactly. It's brutal. And there was also this part where apparently, like, the historian was pointing to some of the JSA stories where the characters had been pulled and but had been sort of like redrawn after the fact. So you've got weird stuff where like some characters are like the specters doing a lot of stuff that is weird. And they're like, yeah, that's because that's actually this other character that got pulled because national and, and all-star were feuding. Um, so, and also like when it first, when it first started, it wasn't one story. Right. Right. It was, it was framing, it was framing devices Mm -hmm. of like all the heroes get together to tell each other their own stories. So they could publish just like an extra length comic featuring these characters again, right? And then they started doing the 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 team ups and the things. Yeah. And But I didn't realize. I was like, oh wow! Like again, DC, DC's storied history that really has so much to do with bankrupting other char- companies and then buying out their characters is really impressive. Um, I was I was literally having this conversation with Chloe earlier today. Um, Gerard Jones, who, as we all know, no one talks about it anymore for very good reason. Yeah. The short version, he's a pedophile, um, wrote uh, an amazing book, a book that, despite the fact, again, he's a pedophile, uh, get a second-hand copy mm-hmm. because um, he wrote a book called Men of Tomorrow, oh, which right. is I've never made an it through that book. astonishingly yeah. good uh, history mm-hmm. of that period. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. genuinely good history of the beginnings of what would become DC and just how connected it was with the mob. Mm. And just how connected it was, it was the fucking mob. Wow. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I've really got to that. It's, it's fascinating, but mm-hmm. for real, like, you don't get DC Comics without the mob. Wow. That's kind of my, kind of brain-blowing you just don't. to think about. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, don't buy a new copy. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't buy a used copy. But yeah. if, for anyone interested in comics history, it is genuinely a must-read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely one of those books that I had on the shelf forever, and I don't know why I couldn't crack it. Because, of course, another book, you know, John said also with his writing partner, uh, what's it, is it Will Jacobs, um, wrote the great oh, comic Jared book Jones. Heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
which mm-hmm. was a, which was a, a really great, um, very informal history of mm-hmm. of the superhero comics of the era, and and re- like both really readable and really smart, I think, in its analysis. It was a great yeah, yeah. Book. So, no, no, no. Man, Man of Tomorrow is genuinely a, a comic history book that really doesn't have a peer. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a really, really good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, again, a shame that the guy's a fucking pedophile. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. Jesus. Um, so weird. It's a, it's a shame the guy's a pedophile. That's like the most, like, you know, benign way of saying it. Isn't it? I mean, um, it's, it's also, it's also kind of like, everyone. yeah, no, oh, oh Graham. I know what you mean. Like, no, it's just like I said that. I heard myself, and I was like, "Oh fuck." Yeah. Uh, um, Jeff, what else? Have you read something that you liked? You know, I'm, Graham, I'm really glad that you asked because I, um, I, I have. I mean, you know, it's been such a long time since I feel like we've done a a wait what episode, and of course, with all the other various time that's back. Um, I, I have to say that among the things that I've liked a lot is, you know, Chainsaw Man is back. Um, and it is, it is, it is very weird. I gotta say that that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of manga that I'm reading more or less for free now on day and date of release. Um, and that's as you know, the excuse me, dentist, it's touching me, you know, and uh, various other things like that. I'm just, I'm just really enjoying kind of reading a lot of manga, a certain amount of uh, Kayaguya Sama, Love is War, is they dumped a whole, like I'm up to 231 chapters of that that you can read for free on the Shonen Jump app. And I really like that as sort of a teen romance comic i've kind of found myself in the realm where i actually have a few too many manga streaming services because you know the bulk of what i'm reading tends to be on manga plus slash shonen jump and shonen jump is heavy in the traditional shonen like comics that are aimed at uh you know like maybe to me it tops out around like 12 to 15 um and then manga plus actually runs stuff from one of the other i think it might actually be called jump plus and that's stuff where like chainsaw man or excuse me dentist it's touching me or some of the stuff that's probably designed to be read by like 15 to 19 year olds so it's not much of a difference but it's enough and i haven't really gotten so my attempts to look and try and find find uh shoujo material uh that i might like has sent me in the directions after really loving uh chiharia furu which i adored um has led me down the path of subscribing to things like Manga Planet, and then I descri- subscribe to this thing, uh, Mangamo, um, which uh, allows for you to read like four free chapters a day, or you can get a monthly subscription and read unlimited amounts. And 
like all these services more or less are propped up by Kadancha's willingness to give everyone about six to eight volumes, uh, you know, um, to read with the idea that you're then going to convert over to reading the, their, their collections. Mm -hmm. Um, so on the one hand, I'm like, Oh, I'm reading a lot of great manga that I'm really enjoying. And on the other hand, I'm also finding myself being like, and I want, I want stuff that's a bit more like this and a bit less like this. Like there's this sort of rom-com between this, um, sort of semi-malevolent Japanese um, spirit slash urban legend. Um, this this woman whose mouth is slit from end to end who shows up and terrifies people by asking them if if they think she's attractive. And it's and it's one of those things where like it's it's such a great Japanese story. If you say that yes she is attractive, then she will slice open your mouth from end to end too. If you say no, she's then she like kills you or curses you. But if you like I don't know, just kind of shrug with indifference. It's your only way of escaping. And I'm like, there's something that just strikes me as so deeply Japanese in that urban legend, you know, where it's kind of like your only way to escape is to be politely indifferent. Um, I've been re I read a whole bunch of shit on uh, Marvel Unlimited. Um, you know, like I've got three or four titles I'm reading there, that new, quote unquote, new Zeb Wells John Romita Jr., Amazing Spider-Man that I find incredibly baffling. Um, the Jason Aaron Punisher book that I find incredibly baffling. And now that I've given up Avengers, I can now read it, you know, for quote-unquote free three months after the fact. So I just read the latest issue of Avengers. Uh, Are you also baffled by that? <laughs> I have to say I'm really baffled by that. I'm also baffled by <laughs> Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal, the Infinity comic, because Frank Thierry <laughs> continues to get work. Um, uh, I, I've got to say, that was the first one that I have not been also reading on Marvel Unlimited this week. Oh, is Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal? Yeah, I, I, I also caught up with Avengers and, and um, Punisher and uh, Amazing Spider-Man. I also read Amazing Fantasy issue 1000, which just came out this week. Like, oh, I, yeah. I bought it. Oh, you did? And what did you think? How was it? Is it a thing? I mean, it's definitely a comic. <laughs> it's another fine. smash it's, hit it's, rave review yeah, from Graham yeah. McMillan. It's yeah. it's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it is. Um, it's it's entirely possible to be perfectly honest with you. Really, you said you sounded like you had a a suppressed titter or snicker that made made it sound like you had something far more. Oh no! I'm being distracted by Chloe at the door. Is what's happening? Oh, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> okay, I was like, "What um, the heck?" No, uh, I um, uh, it, it's fair to say that I like I like Spider Man, right? Right. Well, but I, right. I'm not a massive fan of Spider Man. Yeah. Okay. Like I have I have Spider Man fandom for a particular era of Spider Man comic. For want of a better way of putting it, sure. You know. Like, once you get past, honestly, once you get past, like, uh, DeFalco and Friends, I'm kind of done. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are stories that work for me, and there are stories that definitely don't work for me in this comic. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and there's ones that I feel almost guilty for not liking more. Mm. 
You know, like there's an Amanda Iannucci written story mm-hmm. that is entirely boring to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like very, very dull. And everyone's like, I can't believe it. Amanda Iannucci's finally read Spider-Man. It's hilarious. And I was like, where's the jokes? Like, this is the way it's called. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that makes hilarious, everyone. You know? Um, That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. But, because, of but, course, uh, I'm like, you know, holy shit. Armando and yeah, but like the the Gaiman story is very Gaiman, but like Gaiman in like charming nostalgic mode. If that makes of sense, of course. No, of course. You know, like not, but like not not trying to do anything more. Mm-hmm. You know, it is very much Gaiman as a fan, mm-hmm. being like, I like this character. Like, I'm going to tell you that I like this character, mm-hmm. which is you know does kind of work. And there's there's like very, um, there's some very sentimental stories in there, which is kind of fitting i guess mm-hmm. you know like like there's dance law does one which is like spider-man as an old guy which is just entirely sentimental mm-hmm. there is nothing there but sentiment but again that feels earned for for a 60th anniversary story mm-hmm. but you also get like you know kurt music does something that's fine and how and jonathan hickman and marco chichetto does something that's fine <laughs> Like, there's so much there that you're like, I like part of this, but I don't like other parts. Mm-hmm. Michael Cho writes and draws a story, and, like, the art is fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, like, half of the story is great. Mm. You know, if we could have had this writer and this artist work together, you would have had a, just a shockingly good story. But right. instead, you have a fine story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it does feel... I'm trying to think of a good way of saying uh, it feels as if like the bar is really low, but it yeah. does feel like the bar is really low. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've got to be honest, catching up with all these these books on Marvel Unlimited this week, I I feel like the bar kind of is really low. Like the new Amazing Spider-Man volume. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. You know, I'm glad you said that because I kind of have the weird – I mean, admittedly, I've been super checked out on Spider-Man for a very long time. But part of me was like, oh, great. The idea of reading Amazing Spider-Man, you know, the flagship title, and it's Zeb Wells and it's John Romita Jr. I'm like, this should be great. And it's – but the premise of like, oh, hey, something happened six months ago and Peter Parker's life's fucked up, but we're not telling you how, but we're going to limit it. And you know Zeb Wells and how funny he is? Guess what? He's going to write this seriously. Let's go yeah, with Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. You guys like Zeb Wells jokes? Great news. This is yeah. him trying to be serious. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's kind of a really – Two issues in, it feels like kind of a dour, pissy, grumpy Spider-Man comic where I'm like, I mean, certainly you have those. Like, I kind of feel like there was kind of that run of, I don't know, whenever Peter David seems to stay on Spider-Man for like longer than 12 issues, it starts getting grumpier and grumpier. You know, like, I feel like, yeah, there is that like, whole realm like of Peter David in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, like, whenever, like, just the fact that Tombstone shows up, like, Tombstone is never an indicator that there's going to be, like, a good time. You know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, okay. I, like, what, What's funny is, I, you know, this comes just after the Spider-Man Beyond story mm. arc. I say story arc, it was 19 issues plus tie-ins. Mm. Um, but that was also, you know, run by, by uh, Zeb Wells. And that's mm-hmm. also like a weirdly sour story. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like it, it. There's this weird thing where you get Nick Lowe continually saying editorials like how much Seb loves like Spidey and how much he loves Peter Parker and Sporting Cast, and then he keeps on doing stories where it feels as if the opposite is true. Right. Because they're always like, okay, but everyone hates Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter's fucked up. Yeah. Right. Everyone right. hates him now because he's fucked up too. Now he's working for Norman Osborn. And you're like, are you sure this guy loves Spider-Man? Because right. it feels like this guy like wants a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Right. It, it's it's this it's this weird thing. I don't know. I know I do, however, love that the solicit and the cover for Spider-Man issue two, that means Spider-Man mm-hmm. issue two, is like, find out what happened with Peter and Mary Jane. And Mary Jane doesn't even fucking appear in the comic. Doesn't she pop up on the last page with the kids, or was that in the previous issue? That was the first issue. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, when solicits go wrong. I yeah. also like, um, like, comic timing is such a weird thing. Mm. But there's something about... Like, we've jumped six months into the future, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when you last saw, before the time jump, Peter and Mary Jane were, like, strongly together. Right. Like, very strongly together. Mm-hmm. And the idea that in six months, not only have they split up, but they split up so dramatically that Mary Jane is now not only with a new partner, but with a new partner so strongly that his kids think of her as their mother. Yeah. Right in six months. Yeah, it seems. It's seems, just that, like that a little, look, yeah. what the living shit? Like either you have no idea how children and relationships and time work, right? Or there's or there is something more going on here, right? You know, I mean, and maybe who there knows? Is, maybe there's another magical thing down the line. But oh, Jesus, it right. was. But no, but it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, speaking as a step parent. Six months is bullshit, you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Means tell me in six months she's split up with Peter, gotten over it so much that she's now not only acting as a mother to these kids, but has been accepted as the mother to these kids. Yeah, right. It's, it's just, you know. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That That's that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I It feels uh, – I just want a fucking Spider-Man comic where things are going right. And I know that's I, – I don't even mean like in the – you know, because the whole DNA of Spider-Man is if something's going right for Peter, then something goes wrong for Spider-Man, vice versa. Right. But like yeah. I would like something to go right for one of them. Well, and see, yeah, like exactly. Years now, all we've yeah. had is things go wrong for both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I – don't, I, I feel like the, that dichotomy really gets overlooked. I'm also like – I got to tell you, this may well be between like – Reading the reading that Spider-Man book, reading Nightwing, and reading something else, like I'm just really tired of the omniscient sort of like the 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 imposing bad guy in charge who runs everything. Kind of like you know what I mean. Like it's, it's just, if there's something that's become such a cliche, it's the sort of post Frank Miller Kingpin, where the bad guy yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. there. And yeah. oh, and how how, how up to date are you in Nightwing? Uh, I think I'm an issue or two behind. I think. Okay. At least. Uh, they take care of that. <laughs> oh, thank God! Yeah, yeah. No, I think there was a thing where it's leading up to it, but yeah, the whole the whole blockbuster thing was getting 
Yeah, they 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 take care of that. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That'll that'll get me back to that next issue because I have not read it. Um, you know, it's really weird, Graham. I have to also say, like, through DCUI, I read. I sure. I it's funny. I will give Tom King the credit of. I may not like where his series. Go, are going or what they're necessarily doing but i enjoy reading his stuff on like a kind of page by page basis like that fifth issue of uh book four and book five i apparently had gotten two issues behind on human target um so i read them both at once and for whatever reason forgot to log them and that was that was um uh, that's that's some very that's some very satisfying stuff there's a lot of there's so much stuff on there that i like that knowing that we're still coming up on the thing that i just think is just a huge mistake and i mean and honestly i I really i really like the thing Mm -hmm. um and having read issue seven which comes out later this month i Uh, really really like the thing wow really there's there's a further twist all right well we'll see we'll see where um I, I assume we're talking. I, like we can say it. The comic came out months ago, even though like you're behind. Or are we? Are we not spoiling it? Because no, I feel like we. I feel like I actually did spoil it in bitching about it like five, three or four we, months. We ago. are. We're talking. We're talking about the, the guy Gardner being killed, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Right. Yeah. There's there's twists coming. Mm. Um. And but okay, why do you hate it? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons that I hate it. Um, so, like, four or five issues in, one of the things that sort of drives me nuts is, for for those people who don't know, Tom King's writing, Greg Smallwood is drawing the living shit the li- out of... Yes. I, you know, if anything, issue seven is his best yet. Oof. Um, which, for all intents and purposes, is a very weird um blend of the the noir thriller doa and featuring the 80s justice league so essentially christopher chance the human target we see him at the beginning of the series um standing in to prevent lex luther from being from being killed and in the course of thwarting the murder attempt after the fact ends up getting poisoned uh, in a way that is only gives him 12 days to live. And he has decided to try and track down his killer. And it seems to be a round robin that leads him through the ranks of the 80s Justice League. As he gets yeah, romantically... Yeah, the, 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 twist, the twist is only that someone from Justice League International would have access to the murder weapon. Yeah. So in the process of beginning to investigate that, um, he ends up... Uh, essentially for more, you know, uh, beginning a relationship with ice, falling afoul of Guy Gardner. And as one step to investigate, each person leads to another step and another link. Um, You know, at the fifth issue, it's that thing of like, oh, you think you figured out who one character is who asked for the thing that is the thing that means that they're the partner who led to the thing and got the stuff. 
and it's it's written about that sophisticated. <laughs> King's a better writer than that. I I. It, but it is there's M- MacGuffin's Ahoy. Like issue five. Oh, is, no, and continues to be like yeah, I, I, and very much continues to be. It's very much, uh, you know, you think you know where the story is going. Ha ha! Jokes on you. I'm going to zig in like every single issue. Right. Exactly. And uh, like I said, on on a on a scene by scene sort of issue by issue thing, I. I generally like it, but uh, I think the two things I feel very aware of for me that I have that sort of leaves me with sour days and things could go in a very different place, but King currently seems to be writing characters for whom he has tremendous affection, um, all but bordering on the level of fan fiction self-insert in terms of his ro- the characters developing romance with Ice. Um, and I guess the thing that that bothers me is by the time you get to the very noirish Guy Gardner is killed by Ice, like frozen solid zero temperature and then punched one punch shatters into a million pieces and then christopher chance and ice make love while guy gardner's melts into goo around them um it it kind of has a part of me is like you know i'm not you you and chloe are much bigger justice league fans than than i ever was but i like the characters enough to be kind of um, like, what are you doing here, buddy? You know, but see, I I don't have any of the problem with that because, I, like, we had this conversation last time. Like, it's an alternate version of the characters. Like, it's none of it's in continuity, none of uh, it's like in canon, mm-hmm. and it's a noir story, right? And and yeah. you have uh. Like, Ice is the femme fatale, except right. she's not, except she kind of is. Right, exactly. And so, like, it feels very fitting in the tropes for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things I like, uh, the, the end of the sixth issue uh, is, you know, basically it introduces fire, and the idea is that fire is going to be the actual femme fatale archetype. Right. Yeah, you, right? in the fifth issue, I believe. Is, is it the end of the fifth issue? Yeah, the I, fifth the fifth is the Martian Manhunter mind mind invasion story, which is really very well done. Which also is like, oh, fire is the femme fatale at the end of that. Um, but you get, six is uh, the Guy Gardner punch him up thing. Okay, that, I I will take your word for it. I like I for some reason I thought that the the, the fire thing was was then the six. But anyway, um, like it it feels like it's very much playful in that respect, right? It's literally taking the the Justice League characters and mm-hmm. fitting them into like their trope roles within noir. Mm-hmm. Right? So you get so Booster becomes a bit more of sort of like a, a you know a, a, an untrustworthy uh you know fix it man. Mm-hmm. You know and and is Ice the femme fatale, or is she like the ingenue? Right. You know, is Fire the femme fatale? Right. You know what what is what is the Human Torch? Eh, not Human Torch. What does the Martian Manhunter become? Right. Because like, is he the Patsy 
for the mm-hmm. femme fatale. You know, and it, it's just plugging them into these roles. But again, I don't feel upset about it because it's like, you know, Guy Gardner's still fucking around in, in the, the main continuity all he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sure, like, kill him, <laughs> whatever. Right. Like, it, it, it feels, you know, it's like going, well, you know what I really hate about the Dark Knight? Green Arrow's only got one arm. <laughs> like, it's it's that level of, like, okay. Like, it, 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 it's like the idea of, like, well, you know, well, that's not my version of the character falls apart when it's not. That your version of that character. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's intentionally an alternate version of the character. Well, I mean, I, I think you and I, as we know from the last time we talked about this, have split the differences to whether or not Tom King's like, you know, hey, this is out of continuity. Unless you guys don't want it to be true believers, and you're I, like, I, yeah, I, he's I, clearly I, dealing I, himself I, out. I, and I'm split like, the difference. I, yeah. I think, like, you mean we disagree? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We hugely disagree. I. I maintain that I think he's quite clear in saying it's not continuity. Oh my God, Becky! All right, well that and that is fine. I my I guess how do I put it? I just it's one of those things where, to an extent, it feels too much like King is too in too enthralled to the side of Alan Moore or early Alan Moore's de, de, Alan Moore's early DC career that even Moore himself kind of disowned. Um, it, it just feels, I don't know. I, I, I just, there's part of me where it's like every time I look at it and even still while looking at it, I'm kind of like, there's a, to me, there's a certain amount of this has no juice unless you know, these characters and these characters are being misused to get the effect that you need from them. And, and I don't know, there's just part of me where it's like, I don't think it would necessarily work if, if, if chance was, you know, investigating his own death and it was some other set of characters apart. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, you know, the justifiers or something. Yeah, exactly. There'd be something where it's like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily land. Oh no. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I think that's entirely true. I think the fact that it's, he's playing with like recognizable characters is, is the point. Right. Right. Exactly. 100% agree. And, and I think there is something that is a, you know, I don't think we I don't think we ever really talked too much about the weird uh twinning effect of um King's uh what's it is it Strange Adventures and his Rorschach series, you know, that he did with different artists that have uh, Yes. Why do you mean the twinning effect? Because I okay, why do you mean the twinning effect first? I, I guess what I mean is is that they are totally different stories that seem uh, uh, powered by similar themes, seem to be commenting on one another. And I think at least for me, there's a level to which you both of the catharsis in the book for me work only because 
of what I'm assuming is going on based on what I'm reading in the other book. Um, and when you say we didn't talk about it, what you mean is you didn't talk about it because I said that all the fucking time when the series were running. Sorry, no, but I, <laughs> no, you did, but you never talked about specifically what the effect was. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of like like what I meant was I have a very specific theory about how those two tie together, and you're like, yeah, they tie together in a way that's very like. You you have pointed that out, but you you have been um, as as you Graham McMillan are both uh, generous and discreet enough, or depending on how some say it, infuriatingly vague about what that means <laughs> or what you think it means. And I think and I think that that I, is I, and so I that's was, what I meant. Yeah. I was yeah. purposely trying not to spoil it for you. Thank you. Well. Now that it has happened, maybe we can talk I, I, about no, it. I, yeah, I, I want to know what your I want to know what your theory is. So because I feel I feel like you're very clearly saying I have some feelings and I want to talk about it. So well, I mean, I, honestly, <laughs> strange strange adventures and Rorschach um, together gave me a lot of. Uh, well, I liked Rorschach a lot more than Strange Adventures, uh, honestly. And I think Strange Adventures is kind of a mess that doesn't quite manage to do what it seems like it's trying to do. Like, I don't think it's... I'm not sure it's necessarily successful on its own terms, whereas I feel like Rorschach... Oh, of the two, is, Rorschach is, is by far... Yeah, of the two, yeah. Rorschach is far more successful. Yeah. Far more complete. But, so... So there's a way in which human target is a is sort of like I can't tell if it's a if it if it is a if it's a it it could be a sidestep it could be a step back it could be a step forward but I do wonder if maybe part of the thing part of the thing in Strange Adventures and Rorschach is very much about a for me it, it it the the way that the two narratives tie together has a lot to do with um the comic book quotes that that uh close the end of every adventure issue of strange adventures and how weirdly Rorschach in many cases is very deeply deeply about comic books and making comic books mm-hmm. and at the end of Strange Adventures, it it feels like it ends where it starts, where Adam Strange is at a book signing and he's an author. And weirdly, everything that he has gone through, which is this strange Manchurian candidate-esque story about war and the survivors of war and to what extent the narrative of war is written after the fact by sort of winners and survivors, but may not even really entirely be understood by them taken in tandem with Rorschach, where at the end, the private detective more or less does what can't be done and more or less 
kills off the corrupt force that everyone has been trying to kill off in Rorschach and failing. Um, oh, it's okay. Uh, as I recall, I mean, I'd have I, I'm to just revisit like, it. I'm just like, oh, is that how you think Rorschach ends? But okay. Well, the thing the thing that really strikes me about Rorschach, <laughs> what what struck me was the emotional ending. Is is that is that both books essentially are a feel almost like emotional autobiography, where King more or less says, like in in both books, essentially, I got here and I and I did what I sort of had to do to get here and no one's really ever going to understand it um but it but essentially i've won essentially i've transcended it that that a lot of oh, wow. okay that a lot of the and this is pro- this is problematic because this is like five or six months after i've you know read it so it's like i'm like is that it i'm like it's really for me i really walked out of it being like oh here's an emotional like some of the stuff in strange adventures which really came in part out of um you know abbey specifically saying like hey you know this guy is this guy really who he says he is how do we know like you know and and king turning and taking that into i think not just you know one story very explicitly addressing it in strange adventures where strange is a book signing war hero who is accused at the signing of of essentially being the opposite and and in strange adventures it more or less that becoming that being the case i suppose and then in rorschach the it's all but the flip side that the unnamed detective that we see who goes through who's actually able through diligence to uncover the secret history of things and by understanding it changes it there's a scene in which he's in the movie and talking about what it's like to watch the movie and i think there's actually even an earlier set of phrases it might have been where frank miller's talking about working on the pirate creation that yeah you know he's created where they talk a little bit about creating things and wanting to bring things to people and then at a certain point kind of realizing that maybe oh because i think it's the faux ditko guy actually at some point is is like god no i'd have to revisit it i'd have to i don't even remember who talks about it what what's really funny is you and i I genuinely feel like you're describing different books than what i read interesting like like fully Uh, to the point where your understanding of Rorschach's ending and my understanding of Rorschach's ending are significantly different. I could be remembering it badly, but he well, no, like... Because, but your, your idea of the emotional journey is yeah. very different from my reading of it. And honestly, your reading of the, the Strange Adventures ending is very different. Uh-huh. Um, because for me, both stories are stories about indoctrination. Mm. Right? And they're both stories about the idea of um, believing a myth uh, that you're taught about mm-hmm. you as a hero within your own narrative mm. uh, and about how that opens you to manipulation and about how your myth can will be manipulated by others, but also how you, when you fall for your own self narrative, mm-hmm. uh, become, become victim to it. Oh, and for me, nice. the end of Rorschach is the detective has lost 
right? He's literally been brainwashed, same as everyone else. Mm. It's just that he's successful in mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, there's no... He has broken through and changed the narrative at all. He's literally been swallowed by the narrative. Mm. He fulfills the narrative. He mm-hmm. becomes brainwashed the same way that the Victor analog was, the same way that the Frank Miller analog was. Mm-hmm. In investigating the brainwashing, he becomes brainwashed. It's just that he is successful in carrying out the mission. Right? Mm-hmm. And in Strange Adventures, Adam is literally brainwashed. Yes. Right? And then tries to sell the new narrative of him as war hero to disguise that brainwashing. Mm-hmm. And it's only when Anna discovers the truth mm-hmm. of his brainwashing. And more important, because she doesn't really care about the brainwashing as much as she cares about what happened to her kid. Right. Right? right? Mm-hmm. And she's the one who changes the narrative. The detective mm-hmm. in Russia does not. He 100% falls the narrative. Well, that's my understanding, and so you know, right? I, I right. feel there is. I feel there is very much a sense uh, in both about uh, basically believing in conspiracy theories and getting swallowed by conspiracy theories, and then that defining your reality. That's right, Rorschach. Yeah, that's very a much a story about QAnon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like very much a story about QAnon. Well, it is. It it, it absolutely is. But it's also about something that's that's beyond that. Although I could be wrong, or rather, it's it's a it's not just about the idea that 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 it's QAnon and all the way that that the truth is misunderstood by these people. But there's still something at the core of it, like the detective realizes that everything that he has been set on to discover is being done specifically so one candidate can discredit the other. He's sure. been manipulated by the system. And yes, so, but, but even that reading is in itself a manipulation, right? The, the whole thing is about the, the, that there is no ironically for like a story that is Rorschach. There is no objective truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and there is only subjective truth, and he mm. he he falls for the sub the subjective truth that is the brainwashing that the other Rorschach was was pursuing that the other Rorschachs like have been pursuing. He becomes Rorschach by the end of it. Well, like literally, because he falls for the same brainwashing. He doesn't fall for the same brainwashing. He ex- it, unless you start talking about the idea of justice as 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 a bit of brainwashing you know what i mean because he doesn't turn around and do what he does because he's fallen for all the QAnon stuff he does it very specifically because what the QAnon people have been talking about is this this idea of a higher truth you know which is justice and at the core of it, he does not want to to sacrifice his life the way that they did to to an abst- a crazy abstract ideal. But the ghosts that keep presenting him with are: is justice a crazy abstract ideal, or does it exist? And if it exists, can you do something for it and about it? And he does. And so his quote-unquote triumph isn't that it is that he sees the thing beyond the indoctrination and he succeeds and so see i me, I, I, I disagree with that 
I, and because so to, because right. he, he literally commits murder and then goes to watch the movie and is completely untroubled by, by what he's done. He's yes. bought into the indoctrination that justice is a moral absolute that one person can carry out and that there are people who have to die in order for justice to be enacted. Uh, right? Yeah. Which, is, which is not where he was at the start of the book. Well, no, it's not he, where he, he was he has, at the start. He has, he has literally lost the shades of grey mm-hmm. and become like this moral absolutist, but like he, I, he, he, yeah, sorry, no, no, no. I think I think you've got a great point, and I think you're, I like, I think your reading is really strong. I think that Strange Adventures and Rorschach are two sides of the same coin, which is essentially, if you're going to become a writer in comics, you more or less have to, um, a the the sacrifices that you have to make to become it are kind of weirdly life-changing personality altering and once you get there like again it's two sides of the same coin adam strange is tom king the comic book writer that is the villain and rorschach is tom king the comic book writer that is the hero um, oh, you see, I think they're both villains. Yeah, I yeah, I think I think one I think one sur- survives and triumphs, and the other one actually um, fails, and and that is because the the one the one of the Rorschach character is um, both uh, the detective is both analytical enough um, and 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 a detective and works hard enough to uncover the levels to actually quote unquote see the truth and strange is <laughs> lost in the idea of the manipulative emotional truth that that he can control that he can control the narrative the detective just wants to uncover the narrative see i think the detective gets swallowed by another fake narrative i don't think the detective does uncover the truth and that, okay. that, like that, I think that's where our readings are different. And honestly, where I think our understanding of the book are like significantly different. Yeah, significantly. I, different. I, I, yeah. And I think I think that Strange, like Strange Adventures, is really interesting because, like Adam does, like you say, like he he, uh, he's a very strange character. No pun intended, mm-hmm. because um, because he is brainwashed, but mm-hmm. then. Because he has been brainwashed, he then builds a new narrative around himself where he is the hero. Like mm-hmm. he fully believes uh, that he what he did was for the greater good, mm-hmm. right? Like fully, like fully believes in his mind he's the hero, right? But Strange Adventures doesn't let him do that as a, as a narrative fiction, mm-hmm. because not only do you have Mister Terrific investigating him, you have Alana, mm-hmm. right? So. Mr. Terrific in, in a narrative uh, format is the detective in Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Okay? He is, the, he is the analytical figure going over the evidence to uncover the truth. Mm-hmm. But Alana is the emotional counterpoint to Adam. And Alana's position is, for my money, very close to the detective in Rorschach in the final issue. Mm-hmm. In that... There is a moral absolute that is mm-hmm. that overcomes any. Um, it's a moral and emotional absolute that overcomes mm-hmm. any logic, right. right? 
So, so in the end, in Strange Adventures, Alana is the decision maker. Alana is the one who takes action and closes the narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Mister Terrific is, is overpowered. He's 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 undone by Alana's actions. Mm-hmm. He he, even though he is the one who uncovers the truth and tells Alana, it's what Alana does with it. Um, that is the 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 narrative driver. And then you see this like in in miniature in the last issue where where she basically is like, oh yeah, and you're you're raising the kid, mm-hmm. like you, like that's that's just the reality. You're like you see in in miniature the idea of like emotion is going to overwhelm logic, mm-hmm. okay? And you see that in Rorschach as well. That's what the end of Rorschach is. Mm-hmm. Emotion, the or the 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 um, logic is 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 undone by a greater force for me in Rorschach. And the logic is the detective's investigation is undone by the fact that he has fallen victim to the same brainwashing. Right. I, and in Street Adventures, right, right. Mm-hmm. like you see that, but the emotion is undone by Alana's uh, emotional, moral re- reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so both of them are telling stories about you can basically be as smart as you like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like, but that is, that is secondary to this other thing. And I, I see what you're saying in terms of, um, you know, the, the, cause both, especially strange adventures, you know, with the, the quotations at the end of every chapter, like it's clear that the King is thinking about the, um, the history of comics, but mm-hmm. also the, uh, the, what is a good way of putting this? the the acceptance that you're morally compromised yes by by working within the structure of big two comics that's right, right? and that is mirrored in rorschach because you have steve Ditko, Ditko essentially mm-hmm. right he's, he's mm-hmm. not called steve Ditko, but he's fucking steve Ditko. right okay but you also have frank miller mm-hmm. and again frank miller the frank miller in the comic is talking in code but you know frank miller's talking about working on dark knight returns mm-hmm. okay um how that plays into Human Target, I don't know, because I actually read that as a different narrative. Well, because I feel I feel that Rorschach and and uh, Strange Adventures very much are working uh, is interplay. You know, in the same way that like Morrison was writing Invisibles and Justice League at the same time, and they were literally commenting on each other. Right. You know. Well, which like, is interesting Rorschach to me that Avengers. you're like, yes, whereas they're saying the same thing, and and I'm like, I don't think they are. I think no, I, I, I don't, that... I don't think, they, I don't think they are. I think they come to a, I think they come to the same space as a conclusion, but because I think one of them is brainwashing is overwhelming logic, and the other one is, uh, essentially, love is overcoming logic because it's it's Elana's love for her daughter that forces her action, mm. right? Like I don't think they're saying the same thing at all. But I think they both come to a similar conclusion, which is logic is not enough. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be coldly logical. You can't have – for that matter, I don't think you can have a moral absolute either. Well, I I you think – I don't think – I agree that there is not a moral absolute. I do agree that both of them have variations of the – like you said, you essentially have to be – like you said, mired in the compromise and that, that of working for the big two and in doing so you have to abandon logic as a narrative because it's not logical. Um, 
and I think they come to different ends. The way that I mention it in relation to human target is weirdly the thing that comes back to in my brain was, and I think this is something that the Frank Miller character in Rorschach is saying is, is at a certain point, And it's interesting that it's put in, in Miller's mouth because it feels a little bit like things that more Alan Moore has gone on to say, which is essentially that um, trying to find, trying to do something worthy in your life feels like this huge sort of quest and thrust and narrative. And by the time that you think that you doing it, you realize that you're maybe not doing the right thing at all. In other words, the Frank Miller character is saying like telling stories to children and giving children a feeling of joy that's that's a good thing you know i thought by reinventing my pirate character the pirate character stories that i loved as a kid for adults that i was doing a good thing but now i think that maybe i was wrong that the good thing is delivering Basically, telling kids stories for kids is great. Once you start scaling it up, maybe that's a huge mistake. And so that's kind of weirdly what was in the back of my head when Human Target comes along. Because it really does feel like instead of King being like, oh, you know, it'd be great doing a Justice League story with these characters I love and there's lots of laughs. Instead, it's kind of like, ah, you know what would be great? Like, fucking having Guy Gardner dissolve into goo while two characters bone. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something where I'm just kind of like, yeah, that was kind of always the scene I wanted to see when I read <laughs> Kevin Maguire's <laughs> Justice whereas League. Whereas for me, whereas for mm-hmm. me, I'm just like, yeah, it's, an, it's like, it's a dumb noir trope. Like, they've just killed a character and, like, then they're fucking. Oh, like, like cram. I'm sure. aware of the trope. No, I know. No, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, like... I don't. I don't see it any further than that. Is what I'm saying. Like, I am happy to accept that trope and like move on. Yeah, but but again, part of me is like, but the trope doesn't really mean anything without knowing the with again without those investment of those characters, right? Or not? You know what I mean? Like that's no, the I mean, part where I yes, start getting but a also, little confused. I don't know. I yeah. I okay. Like I see what you're saying, but I I I don't know. I I just I like fundamentally disagree in such ways. I'm like, okay, like I think we're just not going to agree on. This. No, 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 no. But um, I think that I think that's I think I you, first off I I agree with you, but I I still see like like you said you're you're kind of like yeah that that might be fine. Look, how do I put it? Like you are I I do feel throughout this long 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 journey that we've been on together of a decade plus of podcasting is I think that you and I have some very um, uh, weirdly, not weirdly, just very fundamentally different ideas about um, pop for, for lack of a better term. And you're kind of like, you know, part of what's fun about pop is that it can be anything. You can do anything with it. Like, it represents something, but, like, the representation of what it is doesn't have... 
it has meaning, but it doesn't necessarily have value any more than what you put into it or what you. No, get no, no. It's it. not even that. It's a, it's that the meaning is impermanent, right? It's right. that the uh, oh god, well, okay, uh, oh god, I I was going to go for the worst possible example, but it was the first one that came to mind. Ooh. What you no? What you take from Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah and Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah are different things, and that's fine. They can both mean different things, even though they're the same song, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, Tom King and Greg Smallwood's version of Guy Gardner and the Justice League is a cover version of the Keith Giffen, James Amatis, uh, Kevin McGuire version, and they can be used for different narrative ends, and that's fine. Both can coexist, and they're not contradictory, and neither one is inherently um, real or unreal, right? Sure. Like right. so, or for that matter, you know, the Star Trek reboot and the original Star Trek series can do different things, and that's fine, you know, mm-hmm. or Strange New Worlds and The Cage can be utterly mm-hmm. contradictory. And that's fine too. You know, because they are they are they're they're different takes on the same idea. And I didn't like I wasn't always in this place. You may mm-hmm. or may not remember a long time ago. I was like, wow, my fraction Hawkeye, my fraction David has Hawkeye is great, but it's not Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's because he's called Clint Barton. He's published by Marvel Comics. Like, he is Hawkeye. He's right. just not the Hawkeye I grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, it's it's fine. Like, you know, they could... Like, killing off Guy Gardner and, and like, Ice fucks Christopher Chance is is fine. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's fitting that story that they're telling. And it doesn't hurt any other version of the character. And I don't see it as, like, a betrayal... Uh, like, you know, in the same way that uh, Pax Americana is a different peacemaker than James Gunn's peacemaker than, than you know, the Carlton peacemaker. But, okay, you, you know what they're like? I think my problems. thing, my problem is like continuity nerdisms. Like, no, I'm, I'm, not, feel, like... I'm, not, not, I'm not meaning continuity at all. I'm meaning intent. Narrative mm-hmm. intent. Mm-hmm. Right? Because at least my understanding of what you're saying is uh, not, you know, guy, my guy gardener like wouldn't melt into the ground. Like it's not that, and it's right. not like a continuity problem. It's uh, the use of the characters in this way is a fundamental, misunder- fundamental misunderstanding of who these characters are and who they were intended to be. It's not quite that. It's not quite that. It's, it's, it's. It it's like um, it's like it's like if you oh God well the 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 horrible way to overstate it, which is not entirely true, but it's like someone taking a ten dollar bill and making change by giving you two threes and a four dollar bill. You know what I mean? Okay, and that's, no, no, I don't, because that's such a like that's such a vague analogy that that's <laughs> meaningless to me. I actually don't understand that. <laughs> I guess I guess what I I guess what I'm saying is is that in order for for human target to work as a narrative 
it has to take the earlier incarnations of the characters to have any weight. It's really like just a more sophisticated version of what's happening in Batman Earth One, where it's like, oh, you think Bullock's fat? No, he's skinny. Oh, you think James James Gordon's a good cop? No, he's a bad cop. Oh, you think Batman knows what he's doing? No, he doesn't know what he's doing. But it's still a Batman story, but it's still of this story, it's still of that story. Was still going to I mean, give you but, I mean, it, none of what you want, but then we're gonna give it to you. What's that? It's, it kind it's, of is. Well, yeah, it, and it's a it's a. But, what, but what's wrong with that if it's a better story? I, right, like I have nothing wrong with the idea that like Earth One exists. My problem with Earth One is it's not particularly good. Right. right? Exactly. Like, I, you know. Right. But but I think Human Target is. Human tar- Human I mean? Target like, is is well done for what it is. But if you take out the the portion of it that is training on your knowledge and your goodwill there's there's not a, there's not there's nothing there and then and that, I see i disagree theory, with that. well i i i, I, I just like I, I i like i disagree with that on like a really basic level because mm-hmm. again even if you did have the justifiers or mm-hmm. you know the revengers or anything else you right. still have an, a story where the archetype character like you understand the archetype of the characters and the character the story still works on a noir level right sure. you still understand the yeah. story absolutely okay. yeah so it, no it agreed. Work. well like you can, t- you can take out all that away yeah yeah, yeah I, it, you... I mean i i understand i understand to an extent what you're saying it's just i disagree with what you're saying well like, i, I, I guess what i'm saying is is that solely it exists on the, the the reader's familiarity especially because a lot of the readers who are reading this haven't read that original material hmm. i don't know about a lot but i i personally think that what what you're saying is is uh, you're right if you the story functions it just doesn't have anything that distinguishes it from any other version of that story like you, you see what i'm saying like there's 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 I don't not quite see what you're saying well like are you are you saying the only value to the story for you is that it's using characters that you're familiar with in a different context no i'm i guess what i'm saying is is that the the that it feels like what makes it work is by jamming two or three things that that are all sort of things that one responds well to to make it to give it more oomph or more impact than it would if it was any individual piece and the biggest component of that seems to be um taking these characters that we know and are familiar with or have experienced with and like you said the the sort of frisson of plugging them into those tropes the story works but it doesn't really seem especially strong on its own but it does work unlike again sort of jeff johns's various level of something that barely hangs together in the first volume but does but doesn't have really any oomph to it per se until you start factoring in expectations based and built around the characters i do think but, that but is yes 
Yeah. Isn't the isn't the oomph that you're describing specifically that it is not those versions of the characters, but an alternate version of the characters. So that for those familiar with the characters, you're like, oh, it's Guy Gardner, but he's slightly different, which therefore allows it to like kill someone off. Right? Yeah. Is is the is the oomph that you're describing for people who are familiar with the characters the the very specific narrative trick of Oh, you think it's person X, but it's person X slightly different, right? In uh, which case, it's it's just something different, not specifically allowed for this very thing that we're talking about. Yeah, I I I think I it might. I, think, <laughs> I, I honestly think I honestly think it just comes down to like the series doesn't work for you in the same way it works for me, and that you are disappointed in the treatment of those characters. And I think that you're mixing the two. And I don't think they're necessarily related. Uh, yeah, and I I don't think that it's exactly that. I think as often happens with um, Tom King stuff with you and I, you have a it, and it could be wrong. I I feel you have a crucial degree of generosity and benefit of the doubt that you give him that I initially had, and then have felt sort of kind of withdraw a little bit from and and what's interesting to me is it almost feels like all of the early alan moore stories that you never really took much of a liking to has left you without the immune system to 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 fight off what seems to me to be a relatively cynical exploitation of existing characters and property, which in a way is fine and certainly dandy if it's done well enough, which it is done well enough. But there is also a way in which I'm also kind of like, it's just a, a much better version of what Mark Miller is doing. And in a way, there's something where I'm like, Maybe that's just the nature of the game for the big two, and maybe I, mean, I, it, I again, think maybe it, it always has been. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think there's. Yeah, I'm like I'm not disagreeing with you in that, but I also um, think that if you like the story, like, mm-hmm. and if it works for you, then what's wrong with that? If you're aware that's what it is, and the story is still enjoyable to you, that's okay, isn't it? I, I mean, it should be. I mean, it should be. It really should. But no, no. And I and I'm 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 really I'm not. Tr- I, I'm I am. I think I think you make an excellent point. For me, what I think I find or what I feel that I react to is that there are when you're dealing when you are dealing with that with that being essentially in a way the best that you can hope for for the characters and the universe or rather the situation the ip situation in which you play in you know the toys come out of the box and the toys go back into the box and i think there are those characters and those creators that are very good at being additive in a way that is pretty uh, exciting and generative or regenerative about for the characters and there's ways in which the the 
everything that you have ends up being a little bit more diminished. And I just, I don't know. I just kind of feel like that's a little bit of, I don't, I don't feel here. And I don't know because I'm not at the end of the narrative, but I kind of feel like these characters are, are going to end up being diminished that, that, that King sucks up a little bit of goodwill to, to juice up his narrative and it's not really replaced with much else. And that in a way really is fine. And, and I came, I came up in comics in an era where, where it was either stasis or what was happening where it was that create creators were mistakenly just generating IP off the charts for giving away the house to characters and, and in exchange for all of their enthusiasm, all their generation got them nothing, produced nothing for them, you know, other than, I guess, in a way, the joy of making it. But I, I feel like, unfortunately, it gives me a certain... Um, there's times where I'm like, oh, okay, he did something with this character that nobody could ever do anything with. Good for them for, you know, like Hawkeye was a character that I cared about, but I can't really say that I had very good reasons for caring about him. Now many people care about that character. And the fact that people care about him and it's not necessarily the character I recognize, that's fine. That's a great, good thing. The fact that these characters are recognizably these characters and have to be, but then are also put through a thing that by the end that you're done with them, you're really not going to want to have anything to do with them again, unless maybe you pretend that it didn't really happen to them. And, and therefore it's another set of characters strikes me as a little bit of, it just strikes me as a bad exchange. It feels, it feels like I'm buying junk bonds instead of premium stock here. And it's fine. It does well in the short term in terms of like, did you get your money's worth for your narrative? I sure did. But like, you know, emotionally and creatively, like three months, six months, two years down the line, in order to to get those characters to to do anything or feel anything again, have you feel anything for them? Like it's it's they're they're they've had bits and pieces of themselves sold off to have that happen. Or you have to put ridiculous amounts of someone's going to put ridiculous amounts of creative energy and juice into them again, which is great, but you know, but but may not happen. So that's all my thing. Is like it's it's weird. It's like I can read Human Target. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. And the weird thing is, is like I definitely find myself feeling like, but this also sort of weirdly breaks a kind of specific unspoken contract in my head, whether or not it's an imaginary story. And this is why it's, I'm reading stories about Japanese teenagers and will they or won't they? And of course they will. It's a romance comic, you know? So I think I've probably just had to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I shifted my, I, I had to, I had to change sports and pretend that I'm like completely doing a totally different thing now when all I'm doing is sitting in a stadium cheering. It's just I'm no longer quite in love with the sport of, you know, professional footboxing. And now I've moved on to the realm of Polietto or, you know, or what one of those other sports that people supposedly like. You can tell I'm really into sports. So <laughs> Polietto. Yeah, Polietto. Everyone's into it. 
It's the new. It's it's really is that you should look into it, Graham. I got to tell you, it's got I, all I the should. fun of 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 professional it's got football all the fun scene. Of, it's but, got all uh, the fun of um, Giffen and Dematis' footboxing, but right. it doesn't sell them out for a narrative about noir. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect, listeners, Graham remains unconvinced. Um, I, but I, I very much I am, appreciate I, I am in, I am entirely unconvinced. And yes. I do genuinely, like, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to respond to this. Like, I, I'm oh, saying this and we will move on. Like, okay. given everything you said, I do, I know you've said, like, this is not a continuity thing. But I honestly feel like things you were saying feel like as if it is. Uh, yeah. And I do genuinely wonder to what degree things like this uh, do sort of rely on your feeling of like, well, that's not the character. Right? Well, and, yes, but I and, mean, in, in an no, existential no, no, but, way, certain characters have to be a certain thing, I suppose. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they do was the thing mm-hmm. right? because you can make an argument that like the characters in, in the new frontier aren't the characters and sure. acting right. that are, are you know counter to to what you'd expect that character to act in but new frontier is still a fucking great comic yeah sure absolutely, you know? absolutely. Like, yeah. frontier takes as many creative liberties with characters as as humans are if not more to be perfectly sure. honest with Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, the Guy Gardner of Justice League is not the Guy Gardner from Englehart's Green Lantern run, and isn't really the isn't really the Guy Gardner from his debut, for that matter. Right? Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. So, so it, yeah. I don't know. I just I I do feel there there is some some form of like I don't know. There is some form of like continuity concern or continuity anxiety in there. But yeah, like. Also, like, more than that, I think part of it literally comes down to, like, bluntly, like, you like the story, but you don't like it enough. And that's also fine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 it, it sounds, like, it sounds completely dismissive and far more dismissive than I actually mean it. Mm-hmm. When I say that, like, you're saying all this and, and honestly, my reaction is like, okay. <laughs> you know, because. Right. I like it's it's totally up to you as a reader to decide what works for you and what doesn't work for you, right? I, mean, I wish. No, no. I mean, don't you? I mean, I don't. I, right no, now. no, 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 no. I mean, but like, you don't read a book and then be like, "Well, I decide I'm going to like this." You know what I mean? Like, you no, either like no, it or you but, don't. No, but right. But that's what I mean. Yeah, but you you either like it or you don't. Right. Right. Like, yeah. no one then objectively argues you into liking or something or not. Right, yeah. it's up to you. You you make that decision. You may not objectively make that decision. You may not logically make that decision. Look, we've come back to the whole thing we were saying about yeah, Rorschach and, and Strange right. Adventures again. Exactly. Yeah. But, right. But you do. You make that decision. I don't think. Okay. I, no, I think the decision is made. I don't necessarily think you make the decision. You know what I mean? Like, we, at the at the risk of being absolutely ridiculously pedantic, I'm saying like sometimes you like you. I, you are probably closer to it when you say, like, you like it, but you don't like it enough. And what I find is is that I like something, but I but something 
doesn't something feel i have qualms i put something down i have qualms like i'm like That's, oh i yeah. enjoyed this but i also enjoyed it and it made me uneasy and and yeah i, I and that's right? like great like that's great you know like that's your response and that's wonderful and god bless you right you know and like i don't know there's just there's just something about i feel everything you're saying beyond that is you trying to justify it in a way that is unnecessary do you know what i mean sure. like i don't yeah, think sure. you need to justify it I think you can just like accept that's how you feel about the comic, you know. And I feel that that there, I feel that there's a, a, a it's not even a defensiveness, but I feel like you're trying to like logic it out uh, or like well, yeah. prove it to me in a way that like you can't. And I don't mean that in the sense of like Jeff, you just fucking can't. You know, you're not good enough. I mean in the sense of like you can't logic this out it's not logical that may be right uh, i mean I th- you're right this really does sort of seem to mirror the stuff going on in no exactly exactly strange adventures yeah. <laughs> yeah um but but i feel i do i feel i feel like you're you know i feel like it, when you're saying things about you know, uh like you're in your interest in the early tom king things uh that i wasn't interested in gave you an immunity Mm-hmm. That I don't have. I feel like you're trying to like, like logic something that is just as easily explained away as like I prefer this story to the other story. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like you're trying to come up with like you're trying to turn it into math. And well, I, yeah, it, it feels, right. It feels like I don't know. It feels it, it, it feels fundamentally untrue, but mm-hmm. it also feels unnecessary. Right. All right. Because I I I think that it can just be explained away as, again, you like the story less than I do, and so, like that's okay. <laughs> so oh, that it absolutely is okay. I mean, but Graham, that's it. I I and I think and the way you keep sort of I know that you. How do I put it? I think that, and and it's it's ironic. We've been doing this so long. Um, I feel, I feel to me, there is a lot to be gained and benefited from looking at why we read things and react to them the way that we do. And of course it, it's, I, I, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, right. And you would, I'm, I'm part no, of me I, is a little I was, worried was, about saying just... like, and you agree with that. Right. And I, and it's like, I don't feel, no, I, I, feel I, I that do, you but that. I also, I also feel like you're veering very closely to trying to explain to me why I feel a way about a comic as opposed to explaining to me why you feel a way about a comic. Well, right. I, I think I, that when you say things like you don't have the immunity to comic that I do. <laughs> I, I admit, I admit that that was, you know I mean, a like, I, I, feel, I feel like yeah. that's, I feel like that's when you're, you're getting into the, my view of the comic is correct. Like, yeah, that is true. Right. Into math, right. Right. These aren't, this right. isn't an objective like, there isn't an objective truth about this comic. There isn't yeah. an objective truth about anything, right? The entire point about this is subjectivity. The entire point about doing this entire podcast is subjectivity. Well, the, right? Absolutely. And, absolutely. And so I, I do feel that when you're like, you know, well, I have this and you don't have this. Or, I don't know, I, I feel like you're you're trying to place like, uh, 
again, we're back to fucking Rorschach, which you're trying to place like an objective truth on something. Right, right. Um, like, I, it just, it feels fundamentally misguided. Which I, I, I get and I agree. I also, but, but, and this is the thing. Like, I do what? feel that, no, 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 no. Because I do, th- I, I think that one of the things that's hilarious about this podcast is the way in which there's so many things in ways in which we are alike and so many things that we share the same sort of passions and interests for. And yet the more time that we spend talking and parsing, sometimes it's exactly the same thing that we like for the same reasons. Frequently it's the same thing that we like for different reasons. But, but I guess what I'm saying is, is we are, we're, we are, always uh, it is it is always interesting and and fascinating to me that we are fundamentally different people which we're generally super accepting of until we get to a certain stripe of of level of analysis or deep analysis and which is fine but there's a weird like I feel like there's a weird way in which I understandably see where you can be both um, uh, understandably both a little annoyed and a little dismissive of me being saying things along the levels of like, no, but there's something going on here that's worth looking at. And if you don't look at it, you're wrong. Um, but I also feel like you never really quite acknowledge the, the the way that it seems that you're kind of you're sort of like people like what they like, and if you don't, you know, sort that there's the, the the weird kind of dismissive way in which you're like, hey, everyone's got their biases, and there is no objective truth, so you know. You're wrong, Jeff. And you know what I mean? Like you're no, doing it in a way in I'm which not, you're not saying, not saying it. No, I know, but you're I know, but there but there is the way in which sort of the same way in which you hear me like leaning and gang pressing on you, there is there is a thing and it could just very heavily be my bias in which your thing is kind of like yeah, it's, I see what you're saying and I get that you don't like it, but what you're, you know, it's sort of like you're saying like, yeah, you read it and you like it, but you don't like it enough and that's fine. And I'm like, but what if there's something no, but it's else? Not enough. Like, mm-hmm. It's not enough. There's, it's nothing about liking enough. There's no such thing as liking something enough. Well, no, I mean, I sort of feel right? like that's what you said. You're like, yeah, you like it, but you kind of don't like it enough to really like it like it. And you're looking for reasons why you don't like it like it. Is how I interpreted you saying that earlier. Okay, <laughs> it's not. Is that not what you said? I mean, I'm totally happy to. I'm not. I'm really not trying to pick fights or whatever. But that is what I heard. Is that not what? Is that not what you said or not what you meant? Or I don't mean. Is, I don't mean as if like fine. there's. A, I don't mean as if there's a bar of like liking something enough, like a, a an objective bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the sense of like it does not satisfy you. To such a level that you do not pick holes in it. Does that make sense? I I mean I guess I I guess I mean my worry is is that I pick holes in everything. It's just some things sort of yeah, but... stand up to the scrutiny and others don't or others do or sometimes I love I'm you like dearly, but you do not pick holes in everything. 
You don't think so? Like, like, no, I think there's things that you just like, like, and you're like, this is dumb, but I like it. And that, like, like, right. I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. that you just like, like, and you're like, Mm -hmm. I, like, I know that this is bad, but I really like it. And so I'm not going to unpick it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things. And honestly, I think that's true of every single human being. I'm not saying that's picking you. Right. No, no, but no, no. I, I think, think I think the idea that you pick holes in everything is blatantly untrue. Mm-hmm. You know, like point. I think I think that there is like honestly, I think everything that you like read and you genuinely like has lots of holes and lots of threads that you just don't pull. And there, that's not a criticism. Mm-hmm. Because I think that you can read something and just be like, I just like this. You know? Well, I, I mean I, what, no, I, I definitely agree with you. But, of course, I'm also like, but I feel like it's very easy for us to turn around. Like, we, I don't know if this was on the part that we recorded or not, but when we were we both we sort of, yeah, the, the, but the part where we were both speaking kind of in awe of Kate Beaton's ducks. Like, no, I, no yeah, like, that, was, that was, that wasn't, we weren't even pretending to record that. Like, that oh, okay. was when we were talking before we were recording. Um, okay. No, but it's, no, but again, like. You know, so you're you saying that you think that ducks. ducks has a certain level of like the narrative threads, and if I like, I just didn't scrutinize it closely. I, I for... think I think that if you wanted to, you could pick holes in ducks. Mm. And I say that as someone who, like you, thinks that ducks is you know arguably the book of the year. Right. 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 But I also think that if you want to pick holes in ducks, you could pick holes in ducks. I think if you want to pick holes in anything, you could pick holes in it. Yes. And again, I'm saying you generally, not you specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm taking uh, that appropriately, and I and I I I think that's true. I I genuinely think that's true, but I also think that there's lots of stuff that like I would pick holes in that you don't pick holes in, you know, and that's sure, fine. right? Like that's great. Like that's mm-hmm. being a fan of something. Do you know what I mean? That's that's just liking something, and that's a wonderful thing. Mm. Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking great, you know. Yeah, it it genuinely is. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, like, if you're when you're like, I pick holes in everything, you don't. Like, none of us do. Well, no. Well, th- well, uh, there are things like I feel like part of my whole like uh, moving into the realm of manga that was great is is being in a place where you where you don't think that you know the rules you know what i mean and then of course as time there's patterns and things and maybe you do the reading or maybe you don't do the reading to find out what other people think of it or how they interpret these things yeah but and that's, and you know that's great. there is a, yeah there is there's a freedom to that and that is the freedom mm-hmm. that i very explicitly uh went in search of because i yes. realized that i was I, not but that's that that's guy. what i'm but that's what i'm saying right Right. So right. the idea that like I pick holes and everything is just not true. And I think that there are things for all of us that you just like you read something, you have such an emotional reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I just like this, you know, in the same mm-hmm. way that I think there's things that you read or you watch that you like instinctively dislike that you call looking holes. You know, I, th- I think both of those are, are just like inherently human reactions. Sure, sure. You know? I just I I think that one could say. And so when I'm talking about like you, know, you didn't, yeah. I know, but I'm saying so when I'm saying like you know you didn't like it enough 
these mm-hmm. like that's what I mean. Yeah, I, uh, hmm. I will, I will, I, this, how do I put it? We don't record after 10 o'clock normally, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably, that's probably true. No, 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 no. I actually, I'm, I'm hugely appreciative, Graham. It's just, I tend to be, I tend to be uh, a little more cautious, I suppose, when trying to take these things under, like l- absorbing them. I don't want to like, and so that's it. That I think that's in, in the way that we're talking about things. Um, you know, sort of similar to the way that you and I can get into discussions where it's like, sometimes we're both a little too fired up or sometimes I'm way too fired up, which is common. But there's also times where it's like, I really want to, like, I'll sit there and be like, hmm, like, I want to take that in, you know what I mean? And so I think there are ways in which experiencing, like, Maybe there is something to be said. Like any piece of art, no matter how trivial, is an argument, you know, or is a statement. Um, mm-hmm. Even if that statement is, this is not a statement. You know what I mean? And and the ways in which we react to those things are that I guess there are ways that we can choose to react, or sometimes there's just ways that we react and and sometimes there's ways in which we react and then and then second guess our reaction or overanalyze our reaction you know like yeah but also very... like revisit like revisiting a reaction is always a worthwhile thing yeah, yeah you know i and it's one of the reasons that like rereading something that doesn't work for you and you want it to work for you it is incredibly valuable mm-hmm. you know like I, I, I think that's one of the most rewarding things, because uh, you get to go back and go, why didn't this work for me? And sometimes you'll find new joy in it, and sometimes you'll find like even less. <laughs> sometimes you'll be like, right. oh, this is much worse than I thought, you know. And, and mm-hmm. both those are incredibly valuable things to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I just, I do. I feel like it's. I feel. Uh, I, I feel like in some way you're trying to like. I feel like you're having a. Uh, uh, you simultaneously like just, you know human target doesn't work for you and also you're having some sort of like continuity or or fanish reactions to treatment of the characters in it and you're trying to make something bigger from that whereas just accept both of those things in their their own terms and like and that's cool not not as much to um uh not to build on what you're saying i would think that the part that is worth revisiting for me is that it's not a continuity fanish um reaction unless that's a continuity fanish reaction to the larger realm of superhero comics kind of like a little bit of the yeah you can't do this to this character you can't do it to that character like if everyone did this the way that you did this there would be no comic book universe in like everything would be devoid of of meaning in like two years and that and that could very well be an equally fanish um and in fact, I think it probably is an equally fanish concept of that you see arising in uh, Twitter and message boards and things. And the thing that drives creators nuts is is that you know fans are like, "Hey, you're not 
you're not treating the characters with enough respect is a thing that, that drives them up a wall, but they're kind of a larger thing of like, you're not playing by the rules. And I think that there is something in a way that is just as fanish and more fanish, but I think is also one of the weird appeals of being a superhero comic nerd is like sort of in the same way that people are Marvel fans or DC fans. There's a certain idea of, you know, there are, there's rules to the superhero universe there, and there are rules to the way that you handle the characters in the universe. And like you said, like something like new frontier is, um, those characters are different, but they're also recognizable as those characters. And that in a way is a weird, um, you know, that's a, that is a validation of who those characters are. And there's a lot of talk in among comic book creators of trying to, you know, distill a character's essence of trying to capture what's classic about the character in a way that is new, you know, and all those various ways of interacting with the way that people handle these characters because the i i think there's some you know a case to be made that creators who create for work for hire superhero comics are weirdly like guardians or um not not really genuinely creators in a way like they're interpreters i suppose and I think weirdly that creates a feeling with the audience as well that the interpreter has to be weighed or measured or judged by the audience. You know, like it's a weird, it gets weirdly into the probably closer to the oral traditions, you know, with the idea of like, yeah, some, some dude gets up and recites the story of Odysseus and has to have all these things memorized and and also has their own way of making the story unique and the ways in which they are received by the audience doesn't necessarily have as much to do with the story which the audience knows but in the way that it's interpreted i guess and so all of which is to say yeah you're right it's not so much i think that i'm like oh yeah you know, I don't like how Guy Gardner was handled or I don't like how Ice was handled. But there is maybe a larger way in which King as a DC writer, and maybe this is why it also sort of reminds me of Miller in a way, even Mark Miller in a way, even though they don't, I don't think of them, never thought of them as similar in any way before tonight, is there's a certain amount of... I will do with the characters what I need to progress the story. Yeah, but also kind of the the way that I, my career and how it gets furthered. And And I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. And I could be reading too much into it, knowing in a way that King is a 
good collaborator for some and a bad collaborator for others. And so maybe I'm just like, oh, yeah, that guy's just, you know, kind of like he's not a good team player. And which, again, is, is a very, very silly thing to say in an industry that relentlessly fucks its creators into the ground, you know, the instant they get the chance to, you know. So, sorry, all of that is yet another horrible um, bloom of interpretation that I really should have just kept shut because I thought you'd gotten to a delightful moment of reproachment and I'm halfway sure that you've actually muted, left the room, and may well be, like, driving somewhere <laughs> by now. I'm I'm driving down to California to just beat you. Yes! That, I didn't want to say that because I was actually hoping you'd take me out for tacos or something. But or beating, I'm just gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's oh, too late. I'm just gonna dear. be here. Sorry. <laughs> Graham, you haven't actually. Have you ever been in a fight? Uh, have I ever been in a fight? I mean, I don't think of you as a particularly half, violent person. Half, so I hardly. Did I'm you ever instigate person. a fight? Yeah, I don't think no. of you as one. But no, you know, have you been in a? Did fight? I ever instigate a fight? No. Yes. Have I instigated a fight? No. Wait, you've never instigated a fight, but you have been in a fight. Okay, that's good to know. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's good, that's good to know. <laughs> As it is. I realize that's, it's a thing that I know. didn't know. Yeah. I, I just I, like I, that's I, good to know. You're like, yeah, okay, now I, I can take you. I, I no, 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 no. It's probably the opposite. I'm probably like, I can't take you. Shit, he's been in a fight. Fuck. I, you know, I'm not even really sure if I've been in a fight. So, you know. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> uh, what nuts? This has been two and th- two hours and thirty six minutes, and that's not including the false start of twenty minutes before this. Oh yeah, um, it's totally yeah, true. It's, it's so late, you guys. It's so late because we also yeah, talked like so forty minutes before that. This I is a know. Very late podcast. Uh, uh, you're going to have Chloe threatening to kill you for real. Actually, threatening to come to I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're going to wrap everything up now. What nuts? Um, because it is very late. And honestly, I'm tired. And I also have a dog I should probably take out to piss because it's been oh, I, like... Oh, I am so sure. I am so sorry. Um, um, yeah. But yes, uh, we are going to be off next week, but then the following week there's another drop. Jeff, we've got to read Judge Dress the Complete Case Files 39. Woo? Question mark? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I can't tell you uh, how glad out. I am that the previous volume was so strong. Because otherwise, I would just this be shitting not. myself. Let me tell yeah. you. This one oh, is not. shit. <laughs> I know it's, it's really not, for real. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, before then, uh, while, while we are not broadcasting next week, uh, please enjoy the uh, Twitter account at Wait What Podcasts. Enjoy Jeff's Twitter account at Lazy Bastard at L A Z Y B A S T I D, where Jeff tweets screen grabs from um, Batman Earth One for your entertainment question mark uh yeah, i am kidding. barely active on twitter these days but i'm at graham m at g-r-a-e-m-e-m uh the reason i'm barely active is because i'm doing so much for Popverse, which is at the um that's not twitter at it's the url for the pop for pop versus i appreciate you covering that yeah um, it's true the twitter yeah. account is at pop says if you're curious um and otherwise we're a patreon supporter podcast which means jeff's going to talk right now Yes, but I'll keep it quick, unlike the last of the episode where Graham thought he was out, and then I, I decided to go off on a whole other tangent that I have to admit, 
I find kind of interesting and edifying. Uh, and Graham, of course, I, I, is silently I, I, I cursing honest, and being like, I, I, yeah, I might have found it more interesting if it wasn't 10.30, but we recorded it. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Listen to it later. You'll be like, oh, there's some good points. Or you're just going to be like, God damn, that man's a blowhard. Listeners, as to quote Bill Jameis, you decide. Um, uh, we're incredibly grateful for your continual support of this podcast, even when both of us are like, what? Why? Why? Um, it manages to keep us motivated, it keep us fired up, and and always willing to start new fights about different Tom King comics, which is a wonderful, just wonderful, as I'm sure Graham and I both would sarcastically agree. Um, <laughs> also want to give a big shout out to the listeners at Patreon to throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh. Always important. I am not joking when I say that once again, you guys were a veritable lifesaver for us uh, last month. Um, oh, because, yeah, uh, because for, the, for reasons the, that we probably shouldn't talk about, but yeah, yeah, it's just it's it was you bailed us out, and we're incredibly grateful. Um, and so I also want to give a special uh, shout out to uh, Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Uh, her ongoing support of this podcast uh, is fabulous. And I feel like there was something that I learned about the cosmos that is always, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad that this, this, this podcast listener's cat is something that I can always think of now whenever something galactic comes up. Go figure. Uh, I'm grateful for it. It really just does underscore the absurdity of everything. Graham? <laughs> I love that. That's where you leave it. Uh, like I said, we're going to be back in two weeks. Uh, enjoy your week off, everyone. Uh, Jeff will be enjoying his week off, and I will be enjoying my week uh, next week I'm going to be doing uh, stuff for D23, I'm not going to be there thankfully, but also Rose City Comic Con is happening in, in Portland, so there's a lot of stuff happening next week Yeah, um, you've got a busy weekend uh, coming up Oh, tell me about it uh, As ever, thank you very much for listening uh, Thank you for listening to us as we really did go on at length this time, uh, sorry everyone and otherwise, bye Bye